You're listening to the Renovation Church Sermon Podcast. For more information on services and events at our Simpsonville and Greenville locations, visit us online at therenovation.church. Today's message is presented by our senior pastor, Jeremy Havlin. We're starting a brand new series today. And before I tell you the title of the message and the series that we're in, my wife and I, one of the interesting things, we've been married for 16 years is interesting things and kind of fun things is now that our kids are getting a little older, we can tell them stories of where we've been and things that we've experienced. And we have a 13-year-old, a 10-year-old, and a four uh, a four-year-old, and the four-year-old doesn't pay attention to anything. He's, he's just wandering around destroying things uh, and having the time of his life. But our older ones are kind of getting the grasp on things. And so uh, at some point, I was talking with one of my kids and was telling about her, how their mom and I got engaged. And it's a story I've shared here on a Sunday morning all the way back in 2006 on Halloween night. I rented out a space in downtown Greenville. And it was actually, a, it was a Christian um, like cafe type shop and they would have concerts and stuff there and I rented it out. And I told my wife we're gonna meet for a concert and there was no concert that night. And in fact, I had one of my buddies be there and I had gotten her favorite meal at that time was melting pot, the cheese and the chocolate, which was like the Wisconsin Trio cheese and the Bananas Foster chocolate, glory to God in the highest. By the way, it talks about food being in heaven. That's one of the reasons, listen, I'm telling you something. That's, anyway, that's all, okay. ADD Jeremy, okay. So, anywho, so I got that prepared for her and I literally got 150 candles, probably even more than that actually. And my buddy's job was to light the candles before we came in. And so we arrived in downtown and I, I called my buddy, said, hey, are you at the concert already? And that was cute for him to start lighting the candles. And telling our kids this, I'm like, and so you need to know, I was going all out to make sure that she didn't have a choice but to say yes. Because like sometimes you get nervous, you know what I'm saying? You're like, you wanna, you wanna seal the deal. And so I did, had no idea. My wa- we had pictures of the night that we got engaged. So as I'm telling this story, anyway, I wanna show, this is the night that we got engaged and the quality's bad. This is back in 2006. It's not great quality. The next one will be a little bit better because the lights are on. But she came into this room and is like, where's the concert at? <laughs> Took her a second to realize this is a little bit different. And I sat her down at a table. I fixed her her favorite meal. And after that, I made a video of 152 ways that I loved her. And, and then we had our song that we played. Listen, I told you, I had to get a yes out of this whole situation. And, and knelt and then asked her to be my wife. And yeah, 16 years later and three kids and two countries and a lot of different ministry. Uh, it's been incredible. And so, but it's fun now to look back at some of these things and to remember, and with my kids, just kind of sharing with them some of the stories. And, and the reason I bring this up is this. Being married for 16 years, as those of you who've been married probably for even longer than that, know that marriage is not always an easy thing. And sometimes, you, have, you know, you, you make these long commitments and stuff like that. But I, I, I was telling my kids this. I was like, those early days, man, those early days when the romance is there and it's just incredible, it's, it's absolutely cool. And I said, doesn't mean the romance has to go. The romance can get deeper in time, but there's early days or something about it. And so I was telling them the story of how we got engaged and my kids were like, wow, dad, that's amazing. When was the last time you did something like that? I was like, don't ask those kind of questions now. Let's just, <laughs> let's just go. <laughs> it was fun reminiscing about the beginnings And the reason I bring up the beginnings, and I was talking with our kids about this, the beginnings, is because this Easter, I suspect there's a lot of us in this room who've been Christians for a long time. 
And which is awesome, by the way. I think that's beautiful. And, and if, by the way, if you're not a Christian and you're here, that, oh, that's awesome as well. But a lot of us have heard the Easter story for big chunks of our life. And what I wanna do is this. This Easter in 2023, regardless of how long you've been a Christian, what I want you to do is go back and remember why you fell in love with Jesus to begin with, the early days. The Bible says this, the joy of my salvation. And so in this series that we're starting, it's called The Way, The Truth, and The Life. My prayer is this, is that you wouldn't follow Jesus at a distance, that you wouldn't just be a good moral person who looks at him, but you would remember what captivated your heart about who Jesus is and not just what he did for us, but how he lived and how he's interacted with you in your life and even that song and the testimony of how he's been good that you would remember the early days. Let me show you the last picture that I have here. Why is it so important? It's Jesus and the cross. And, and this is the God that we serve and worship who gave his life for us. Now, he didn't stay dead. He rose again, and we celebrate that. But the God who created the world and then gave his life in the very world he created. Someone said it this way. He died on the hill that he created for you and for me. And I think as Christians, we don't need just another year that, to go by without remembering the early days of what captivated our hearts. My prayer is that you would know Jesus and be deeply, utterly fascinated by him. He is unlike anyone else. He is the greatest that there is. The solution to the deepest needs of your heart and the things that you are facing is and always will be ever Jesus. And the enemy wants to prevent you from walking with him and encountering him. I'm here to tell you something. He is here, he is real, and he is good. And this Easter, this Easter, re-engage with the joy of what brought you to him, the things that captivated your heart in the early days, and remind yourself that he has not changed, that he is good. And so what we're gonna do in this series of leading up to Easter is focus in on the three different things. He is the way, he is the truth, and then on Easter we celebrate that he is alive. So, here it is, I wanna start with the quote, actually this is from Jesus, he makes this declaration. He says this, he says, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And today we're gonna to focus in on the way aspect of who Jesus is, that he is the way. Now, I've lived in a lot of countries, in Nicaragua, one of the countries my wife and I lived in after we got married, not long after we got engaged in that picture that I showed you, I came to her and said, hey, I think God's calling us overseas. She said, what? I said, yes. She prayed about it, and then God called us overseas. And we moved overseas, and two of our three kids were born over there. But one of the things about Nicaragua is that they don't have street signs or addresses, and so, and by the way, there's no, like, good luck with Google Maps because there's no real good data to use your phone to find places. In fact, the street address for our personal house that we lived in was the store on the side of the road 1,500 meters down. And if you use those directions, you would never find our house. It's just crazy. And so there's not, they would use landmarks like trees that had been cut down or a dog that had three legs that lived in that corner or, I mean... It was crazy stuff. And so whenever I got invited to spaces to speak and I had no idea where I was going, I learned very quickly that I would get lost. I had to factor in Jeremy lost time to any new place that I went to. And I discovered something, something that was so beneficial to me. The best way to avoid getting lost 
was not having the right directions, was having someone in the car that had been to where I needed to go. That's always the best way to do it. So if I'm with someone in the car who's been where I need to go, then I know they're gonna get me there because they're like, well, turn here, do this. And like, legitimately, no street addresses. Now, some streets had names, but they were names that people had given them and they were common, but you saw no street signs and things changed all the time. And it was pretty bonkers. But again, I discovered the best way to find someplace is to have someone in the car who's been where I, need, where I needed to go. That's the, one of the best illustrations of Jesus telling us, hey, he's the way. He is the way because he has already been where he wants us to go. He knows how to get there. But I wanna take us even a step further. He knows the future, and so he knows the best way to get from where you are to that place. Another aspect of Jesus being the way that I love is this. He doesn't tell us that at the end of the way we find him. I think this is beautiful about God. He says he is the way. That means he starts with us, and in the messy middle, he stays with us, and then in the end, he celebrates with us. So we don't arrive at Jesus at the end. We start with him, and we can come as we are, regardless of the mess that we've made. He is awesome. So you might be in the starting place, he's there with you. You might be in the middle part of things, he's with you. You might be wrapping things up in different elements or areas of your life, he's with you there. He's a God who is with you in every aspect. But I wanna take this a step further. Not only does Jesus know where we need to go because he's been there and he wants to guide and lead us into that, he also teaches us how to get from where we are to where we need to go. He is the way. In fact, the early Christians were known as people of the way because of how Jesus lived and what Jesus taught. He gave us clear instructions. Live life like this and you will experience the life that you were meant to have. And so he told us, he gave us directions. He, he, he said with us, here are the tools that you can have. Here's the way to think that you can have. Here's the way to care for your neighbors. Here's the way to relate with other people around you. Here's the way to deal with your enemies. Here's how to handle your finances. You name it. Jesus helped bring guidance into our life and how we can move forward. How to walk with God. Jesus did it. In all these ways, Jesus, Jesus told us how. Imagine for a second if I invited you or you invited me to go camping. And in the camping trip, who, who's been camping here before? Just show of hands. Okay, most of us have been camping, so we get this illustration. Imagine we get a chance to go camping. Now, some of us are super planned and prepared. So when you go camping, you have a checklist that's a thousand miles long. Now, I've been camping in a lot of really cool places. I love camping. I, I used to love camping. I'm starting to like camping. You know how like you wanna sleep on a comfortable mattress? Anyone know what I'm talking about? Yeah. When you're young, you can sleep on a bed of nails and you don't care. Anyway, so if you're gonna go camping, what you do is you have a checklist of things that you need to have to be able to go on it. So today I have, this is actually my camping stuff. Some of my camping things I brought to church today. And if you're gonna go camping, you're gonna wanna have some gear. And because you don't wanna arrive at your destination and be completely like, okay, survival mode and a bear's gonna come snack on you while you're trying to just chill. So you wanna make sure that you have the things that, you know, to be able to go camping with. This is, this is a sleeping pad. And by the way, I don't use this anymore. The one that I actually use is, is a giant air mattress um, that was too big to bring on stage. So this is my son's sleeping pad now. Okay, um, God bless my son. He's, hey, he's young, he's great, okay. I, I didn't pack all my stuff, just some things. But if you're gonna go camping, you wanna make sure that you have the things that you're prepared to be able to have when you're engaging in that. You wanna make sure here's a sleeping bag. You wanna be able to sleep. And depending on the temperatures, the kind of sleeping bag that you're gonna be able to have or wanna be able to have, this is a 15 degree bag. So like not, you know, not, and it says 15 degrees. By the way, if this is, 
for anybody out there. If it says 15 degrees, that says what you can survive at. It has another rating which says what you can be comfortable at. I look at the comfort rating, not the survive rating. Some of y'all be like, it's a 15 degree bag and it's negative five degrees, like this. And then you've not been camping since. Okay, so just that's a side thing for you. Okay, you need a flashlight to be able to see at night. And so here's a flashlight. Uh, this is a camping stove because glory, hallelujah, you need to eat. You go camping, you're gonna burn some calories, you need to eat, here's a camping stove. Uh, and then, hold on, what's, what's this thing right here? <laughs> hold on. Oh, I just, hold on, I gotta hear this, the, the sound. I know, the safety team's alerted right now. I should 100% not tell you this, but I 100% am. This is the present we got our 10-year-old son for his birthday. Don't alert the authorities. This stays in my closet, and when him and I go together somewhere, I allow him to have it in my presence. Don't alert the authorities. <laughs> so Jesus tells us, it's a very simple illustration. When you go camping, you wanna have the right things to be able to do it. Jesus came to live life and he says, I'm the way. He says, I'm gonna teach you the things that you need to have so that you can actually live life. And then he says this, ready? Abundantly. He says abundantly. And so it gives us this illustration of how we can move with our life forward, not just waiting for the eternity, but here on this earth now, how we can actually follow. He gives us these different things that we can do in our life. So let me give a universal truth that's gonna be really encouraging for everybody in the room. You're gonna love this universal truth, ready? Here's a universal truth. In this life, you will face trouble. Aren't you encouraged this morning? It is guaranteed 100%. You will, you have, and you will, maybe you are, you will face trouble. Guaranteed. The question is, is as you face trouble, you have two different ways of approaching life. You can approach life with God, or you can approach life without God. You can do life with God, or you can do life without God. And the beauty is, is that God invites us to always do life with him. I told you guys at the beginning of the year, I had a chance to go to Saudi Arabia. And in that trip, we were gonna be camping on the side of, or actually on the top of the mountain where we believe the elders of Israel were with Moses when Moses went up to actually spend time with God. Gonna be an incredible trip of a lifetime type scenario and we were gonna be camping. As we led up towards the trip, many emails were sent out to plan and prepare for the trip to be able to go. And I didn't read a lot of the emails. I was told that base camp was a mile and a half from where we were camping and that apparently I learned this on the trip itself that I needed to be as healthy as I could be and to pack certain items. When there's a really long email, my eyes gloss over. I see the email, I don't read the email. Anybody else in here? Okay. So we get to Saudi Arabia. I didn't pack adequately. We arrive at base camp, I'll show you the picture. Uh, this is us at base camp. We park the car here and we have to climb over that ridge in the distance. I'm like, there's no way that's a mile and a half. Or if it's a mile and a half, that's the worst mile and a half in the history of mile and a half. There's no trail. This is a figure it out as you go scenario. 
and I had a small backpack with the biggest air mattress you've ever seen. I thought it was a mile and a half away and the wrong gear. So I'm, we're climbing up this, I'll show you the next picture. We have to go up a straight ravine. And I'm like, to our, I'm like, what was your problem? Why didn't you tell me about this stuff? He's like, I did in several emails. I said, I didn't read them. He said, that's your problem. So here we are hiking up, we'll go to the next one. This is finally made it to this spot, put my tent up. In the distance is where we believe Moses encountered God, it's blackened at the top, incredible experience. The team leader, a good guy, goes to the church in the area, is awesome, I love him, his name is Joseph, we'll do the next one is this. Here we are, all the guys going had a certain kind of pants on because they read the emails. I had sweats for my entire trip. <laughs> The reason I bring this up is this, and this, I think this illustrates where a lot of us can be sometimes, ready? I know this is simple when we're talking about different things. I think there's actually a third category. You can go with God, you can go without God, or you can believe in God and do things on your own, and then ask God to rescue you when you made a mess of things. You didn't read the emails. God said, do it this way. You're like, yeah, I'm good. One of the reasons I didn't read the emails because I've been camping a lot. I have a lot of experience camping and I honestly got really arrogant and I was really not into details. I'm not a detail person. And you know what happened? It cost me. So here's the thing. Jesus says that he's the way. Let me, let me, let me read a passage of scripture for you. Ready? This is actually Jesus in Matthew chapter seven. He gives this. He says, enter through the narrow gate for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. The reason why one is broad is because there's lots of ways that you can jack up your life. The reason why the, the gate is narrow is because there's only one way where you can find it. So it has nothing to do with the fact that God only wants a few people to find it. He's just making a statement that only a few do. There's lots of people who find a lot of ways to do things however they wanna do them. There's only a few that say, okay, God, I see you in the way that you want us to live. I'm gonna go that way. So here's my prayer for you. I want you not just to believe in Jesus. I want you to believe in him and then to take his words and put them into your life to say, I'm gonna live my life in this way because he is the way. And the things that he tells us to do impact the choices that we make, impacts the attitude that we have. We read the emails and the emails tell us to love our neighbor. That even means your coworker. The emails tell us to love our to love the people that God has placed around you. The emails tell us to navigate things with integrity. The email, when God writes things to us, he tells us how to do these things. And that path is a narrow path. So here's the question though this morning is this. And what I wanna do today is focus on a very specific area or way in which we can actually follow this way of Jesus. There's one specific thing. There's lots of ways that we can live our life the way Jesus wants us to. But today I wanna hone in on one. And I wanna actually take it from this passage where Jesus declares that he is the way. So I'm gonna make the declaration. It says this, Jesus in John 14 says this. He, Jesus answered, and he says this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. Colossians says that Jesus is the visible image of an invisible God. Do you know what the God is like? Do you wanna know what a God who you cannot see and have not seen is like? Look at Jesus. The, 
visible image of an invisible God. But here's the thing. When you read a passage of scripture, what led to that passage of scripture being there? So what I wanna do is find how did Jesus take his disciples and get them to believe that they were able to follow the way? And what does Jesus mean by this? And then we can apply one element of being on the way in our life. So I wanna start at the beginning of John chapter four, before we get to verse six, where Jesus makes this declaration that he is the way. And I wanna start at the very beginning of this passage. So all the way back in verse one, Of John 14, Jesus tells his disciples, he says this. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And that sounds awesome, and it sounds wonderful. And it is, and it's beautiful. Don't let your hearts be troubled. It's this beautiful phrase. Now here's the thing, Jesus is saying, listen guys, let me give you some tools. When you navigate through trouble in life, don't allow your hearts to be troubled. In fact, believe in me. And he's trying to build into them some very real things so that they can hold on to things, have the right tools for the trip that they're going to go on because they're following the way, they're on the way, they're walking with the way, and they're talking with the way. Jesus says, listen, trust in me. And all of that sounds wonderful. Now let's get some context. The reason why I think Jesus is talking here is really interesting is because if you go back and read chapter 13, Jesus just finished unloading a whole bunch of bad information to them. In verse, in chapter 13, he starts by washing their feet. Now that's beautiful. After he washes their feet, he makes a declaration that one of them is gonna betray him. So he gives them some bad news. Someone in the group is a traitor. And then he says, and then Peter comes up and he's like, listen, there's, you know, I'm gonna be follow with you. And then Jesus tells Peter, Peter, you're gonna deny me. And to the group, Jesus has just unloaded a whole bunch of ready, troubling information. Now they left everything to follow him. They put everything on pause. They put all of their chips into this basket. They said, we're all in with Jesus. And here Jesus is telling them, yeah, there's some problems that are gonna be coming up ahead. Ready? There's trouble. And then the trouble coming up ahead, they begin to panic. They're like, no, wait a second. As all of us would when trouble comes, in, comes our way. And it's at the end of Chapter 14, as he's making these things and telling them that very, very real trouble is headed and on the horizon. And for them, they can't wrap their minds around this. And so Jesus kicks off chapter 14 with, do not let your hearts be troubled. And it sounds nice. But here, here, let me give you a thought. This is my thought, just a simple thought. We're gonna end with something that we can do for all of us as we fall on the way. But let me give you a very simple thought, ready? We will have a troubled life. But what Jesus is getting in the sea is that in the midst of a troubled life, we can actually have untroubled hearts. He's teaching them to think right about things. By the way, being a Christian isn't just about believing in God, it's having the right thoughts that impact your heart. That a lot of Christianity is allowing your mind to be renewed. Romans chapter 12, verse one, don't be conformed to this world, but let your mind be renewed. By the way, we should put that verse everywhere. Don't be conformed to this world. Why? Because we are not of the world. But let your mind be renewed. And so he says this, listen, trouble is coming. Trouble is a brewing. You can't avoid trouble. Trouble's always gonna happen. By the way, 
trouble is always gonna exist because we live in a broken world where sin is real, where evil is real. Trouble has always been here since the fall of man and it will be here until God redeems and restores everything again. We will always have trouble. How do we face trouble? Either with God or without God. As Christians, my prayer is that we face it with God doing things his way. And what he tells us is this, don't let your hearts be troubled. You will have trouble, but don't allow it to impact this area right here. So this is where being a Christian and having a personal walk with God is everything. You see, Christianity isn't just coming on a Sunday morning. Christianity is taking the things that trouble us that we face and going to God and saying, God, what do you have to say about these things? And in my life, I have seen God over and over and over again when I have faced troubling moments or moments where I was uncertain how the future was gonna pan out, God himself came through over and over again. And I've seen other people walk through this. In 2016, my dad and mom, they were living in Nicaragua. My mom gave me a call and said, son, she said, son, you need to come to Nicaragua because I think your dad is gonna die and you need to say your goodbyes. And so I, I get, we booked, I had airline miles and so I booked airline miles and I fly down to Nicaragua. My dad's in the ICU of a hospital in the capital city of Managua and they're doing the surgery. The doc, they don't really know what's gonna happen next and I'm down there for a while and I'm going down there on the whole plane right down there. I'm thinking of ways to go and tell my dad goodbye. And I remember I walk into the, uh, first I see my mom and my mom, you can tell she has a heavy heart, but my mom is someone who no matter what, she just knows that God's gonna be able to come through. I mean, I've seen this over and over here with her. But, but we, we going back and forth to the hospital. By the way, at this time, their car was broken down and not working, so someone lent them a car. And that car didn't really go into first gear well. So the entire time I'm going back and forth to the hospital, it was stressful already. Get to the hospital and I go in to talk to my dad and a moment of lucidity for him. And I said, Dad, are you afraid of dying? Because in my mind, I'm gonna be saying goodbye to my dad. And I said, Dad, and I know that you obviously love the Lord, you lived your life for him, and it's awesome. But Dad, are you afraid of death? And my dad started laughing. Which I thought was kind of a weird reaction to that question. And then he grabbed my hand and he looked at me, he said, son, I'm not. Because I know where I'm going and I know who's with me. And just like that, and by the way, we had no idea that he would survive. This is pre, this is us thinking that this is it, and him thinking this is it. And he laughed in a hospital bed with wires. Why? Because when you face troubling things, but you know the way, and the way is the person who was never gonna leave you or forsake you, but he's always gonna be with you, then that way of living changes how you think about things. It means that despite what happens next, God is always gonna be with you. And my dad in the hospital just declared, no, God is with me. Let, let me give you one that's probably a little bit less dramatic, but impacts where all of us are to this day. When Renovation Church launched all the way back in 2014, we started in a theater. We outgrew the theater across the street. You could only be there until 12. It was an awesome problem, but it was still a problem. And I began looking for property to take our church to, but everything was too expensive, glory to God, even back in 20. 14, and I didn't know what we were going to do. And then at the end of 2015, the conversation began to happen with a church that was here called Westside Baptist. 
And they'd gotten to the space where, where, where they had diminished a little bit in terms of just people. And so they began wondering, what do we do? Maybe do we join a church? And so God began the conversation of, of maybe Westside joining renovation. We're bursting at the seams. And so at the very beginning of 2015, we don't know if Westside's gonna wanna join renovation. I have no idea what's gonna happen next. But our very first Wednesday night, it was the very beginning of January of 2015, we come and they open the doors for us graciously so that the churches can know each other. And I'm gonna preach a Wednesday night message and the message that God laid on my heart was John 1, 5, that God is the light of the world and the darkness can never extinguish it. Now, behind the scenes, can I tell you behind the scenes? I am nervous out of my mind. And do you know why I'm nervous out of my mind? Because if they don't join us and our church in the theater thinks that they might join us, it's gonna backfire and create some, I'm like, Lord, and I just felt God say, no, Jeremy, I will lead you and I am with you and I won't ever forsake you. Ready? Do you trust me? So I'm like, okay, Lord, this is all you then. So I come and I preach a message and then lo and behold, one of the people at Westside, I, did, I didn't know her back then, but faithfully been at this church for years, her and her husband. Her name is Miss Rose. She came up to me afterwards. I went just, this is what the, so she comes up to me. She goes, you know, I need to tell, and she, said, she has the most sweet Southern accent ever. If you know Miss Rose, you'll know. She says, I need to tell you a little story. She goes, 10 years, or however it was, this is back then. She goes, about 10 years ago, I was at a prayer service in this very room, and she said, God gave me and another woman a vision, and it was the same vision, and we were in two different parts of the room praying, and it was the exact same vision. I said, is this a Baptist church? She goes, yeah, Baptocostal. I said, we're great, okay. And she, she, said, she said this. She says, the Lord showed me this space, and the crowd got smaller and smaller, and then there was a bright light, the light filled the room, and then the church was full of people who I didn't know who they were. And I was like, wow, that's a, and the other woman had the exact same thing. And my first Wednesday night preaching a message here was, he is the light of the world and the darkness can never extinguish it. And I remember after she told me that story, you know what? Let your hearts not be troubled, trust in me. And then from that moment, the church hasn't decided to join us yet. It's settled in my heart. Obviously, they joined us, surprise, and that's crazy. They joined us, and here's, you know what, one of the most beautiful things happened? It wasn't about a building for us. Some of the biggest impact came from Westside people who decided to be renovation people. Jeff Spears, leading worship on stage on Sunday morning, would not be with us, but he grew up in this church, and now he's leading worship in this place. Because God has a plan. And Jesus looks at his disciples and he says this. I'm listen, the same Jesus who allowed our church to join, to join together and to have a space for us is the same Jesus who cares about the details of your life. And he tells you this. He says, let your hearts not be troubled. There is trouble. It's a brewing. It's a everywhere. But how do you respond to it? He says, trust in me. That's what you need to be able to do. And we as followers of Jesus, guess what we have this Easter? We have a Jesus whom we can put our faith in. And that song that we sing, how do we trust Jesus for the future? Well, first of all, look at your past. How many times has God come through for you over and over and over again? His faithfulness is back in the rear view mirror. And if he was faithful back then, guess what? He will be faithful today and he'll be faithful tomorrow. Here's the deal though. It's his way, not your way. Do you know why we sometimes miss it? Because we go our way and we ask God to bless our way. We say, God, I want this way. Let me give you a little secret, ready? One of the best things that's ever happened to me in the last 10 years of my life, there's almost no, there is no big decision. 
and very few small decisions that I've ever made on my own. I make them through prayer and through other people because you know what I wanna do? I wanna make sure that I'm not on Jeremy's way, but I'm on God's. And when you do that, it makes all the difference in the world. Let your hearts not be troubled. But let's keep reading and see. Jesus respond, Jesus keeps going, he says this in verse two. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going, if that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that there you may also be where I am. I just butchered that last part. Be with me that you also may be where I am. There we go. So Jesus tells them, hey, listen, you don't wander aimlessly through this life. There is an eternity and a forever with me. Let me, let me give you a quote. I think this is beautiful. St. Uh, Thomas More says this, earth hath no sorrow that heaven cannot heal. And he's telling his disciples, listen, I'm going to a place and know that all the trouble of this life, you need to know that it doesn't last forever. Our life is like this and then we get a chance to forever and ever be in the presence of the Lord. He said, I'm prepared a place. Let, let, me give you, let me give you a spiritual thought and this matters as we navigate a life that is full of trouble. It's a strategy. The enemy has a strategy, but God, God has a strategy. And I see it play out over and over again. Ready? Here's the enemy strategy. The enemy always does easy first and hard later. Always. The wages of sin is death. The reason why the wages of sin is death is because the bill comes after you've lived it. Easy first, hard later. Jesus, on the other hand, is hard first and then joy forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And the reason why sometimes we don't actually get a chance to experience the goodness that God has for us is because we think that God should make everything easy and then easier. No, there's a troubled life. Life is hard. The enemy wants to actually make things easy so that we find ourselves bound up in things that we shouldn't be bound up in. He makes a promise of things being good and moving things forward. So uh, I could do more with that, but I'm running out of time. Let's wrap up and be done. Verse four, and then we're gonna get to the thing. Ready, verse four. You know the place to where I am going. Jesus makes that declaration. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going. So how, can you, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way. I am the truth and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Let me end with this last thought. One way that you and I can be on the way, and I've seen this over and over. Jesus makes his declaration. Let your hearts not be troubled. Trust in me. The way that we allow our hearts not to be troubled is simply to trust in Jesus. But how do we know that we're trusting in Jesus? All of us in this room, how do we know? And this is my final thought. We show our trust by how we surrender. Christianity is not about controlling our lives or securing control over the trouble that we face. Ready? Christianity is about surrendering our life despite the trouble that comes our way, that God is good and can be with us no matter what we experience and what we see. It's actually about surrendering. So when we come, the greatest gift that God has for us is this. Trust me, because I know and will be with you. When I was roughly six or seven years old, we were living in Lima, South America. It's a city in Peru, and it's a city of like nine million people. It's massive. And this is a story that I've told before in years past, but it's been a while since I've told it. And anyway, we're living in the city. My dad was working at a large church in downtown. And 
in downtown, uh, downtown Lima. This is in the mid-80s. And after a, like a midweek service, and it was a long service, it was like forever service, it was like kept going on and on and on and on and on. And uh, it was over, exhausted, nighttime had happened. People started leaving to catch buses or to catch cabs or to be able to walk home. And those who had cars were getting in their cars. And I was in the back of a VW Beetle when all of a sudden the people who had gone to get buses started running back to where the church building was and screaming and running and just a sense of panic. And I'm a kid, so I don't fully capture what's happening. Then I see my mom run out of the church and she grabs me. I've never seen my mom move like this, ever. Grabbed me, yanked me out of the back seat of the Beetle and we ran inside a church and my mom took my body and they, didn't have, they had chairs and she threw me in between the chairs and she covered me with her body and then my dad came not long after that and they closed the doors of the church. And immediately you could hear gunfire going off right outside the building. At that time in the mid-80s, there was a group called Sendero Luminoso and they were fighting the government in Peru. And it just so happened that on that night, they decided, and they would do bombs all the time in different places, power would go off, all those different things. But right outside of our church building, they were having a massive gun battle. And I understood immediately. So I'm stuck in between the chairs. My mom has her body covering me. My dad's right there next to us and you can hear the bullets hitting the building. And I will never forget my mom praying over me, Jesus is with us and he's gonna cover us and he's gonna protect us and he's not, and God's, and, and the faith that I heard come out of my mom's mouth at that time was just incredible and my dad's there and after a while, as the gunfire was still happening, the men of the church, they, they got together and they went and they stood entrance at the door of the church. The power had been knocked out and the men said, we're gonna stand guard and we're gonna try and protect. God bless our safety team, by the way, right? God bless them. So they stood at the entrance of the church and, 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 and I will never forget there was a basement in the church. The women and kids went into the basement and a bunch of candles began to get lit and in the basement, you didn't hear crying, you didn't hear fear. Someone pulled out a guitar and they began to worship Jesus' name. And the women and the kids that night and me being one of those kids, I will never forget, it was seared into my memory from now until forever, began to declare the goodness of God and it filled the room. It filled the room. And the distinction between guns outside and worship inside has struck with me to this day. And I remember thinking to myself, how, like, and it was simply the presence of God. So how do you and I live untroubled heart lives? How do we do that? When we surrender ourselves over and say, God, it's not just half of you and half of me. It's all of me surrendered to all of you. Because your presence, regardless of what's going on on the outside, regardless of what is being experienced in the world around us, regardless of what happens in the economy, regardless of inflation, regardless of the political turmoil and what happens in the future, regardless of all of it, God still reigns. And that's why we, listen, we don't worship because we have it together. We worship because God is good and worthy of praise. We, we declare his goodness and we praise his name. And the distinction is this, those that declare it and begin to believe it will experience trouble, but their hearts won't be troubled because he is the way where there is peace. And he will never leave us and he will never forsake us. I want to end service. You can bow your heads and close your eyes. And I know, Lord, maybe I didn't communicate this message as, as well as you laid it on my heart, but as everyone's heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I'm going to ask, Holy Spirit, that you put your finger on an area of our life that we have not surrendered over to you. 
And I pray, Lord, that you would bring conviction right now into any unsurrendered area, into anything, Lord, that we're trying to do without you. And that, God, that right now that we would surrender it over. It is our surrender that invites your presence. It is our surrender to your way in our heart that reframes things and changes things because you are the way. So while every head is bowed and eye is closed, I wanna pray over all these things. Dear Heavenly Father, in every area, including my life, that is unsurrendered over to you, the anxiety and the fear and the worry, you said, don't let your hearts be troubled. May we not let our hearts be troubled. Whether it's a medical issue or a family issue, whether it's a financial issue, whether it's a, Lord, honestly, maybe a sin in our life that we've had hidden that no one knows about. An area of shame in our life that we've just, God, kept quiet. Lord, may you, the God of peace, heal us from the inside out. And may we have surrendered hearts because we trust that your way is always the best way. And I pray for healing. I pray for healing in all the surrendered hearts. I pray for healing in all the surrendered places and that we would see that regardless of the trouble out there on the inside, God, we can be grounded and found in you. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for today in your precious and holy name. Amen and amen. Church, we love you. Have a great Sunday. We'll see you guys next week. God bless. Thanks for listening to the Renovation Church Sermon Podcast. Find out more about following Jesus and building his kingdom at therenovation.church.